0: Hello, beautiful souls. Before we begin, I just wanna share a few freebies with you. First, if you subscribe on my website, your name and contact info will be put in a jar that I pray on every morning. The angels also have me pick a few people from that jar every week to text personalized angel messages to. That could be you. All you have to do is subscribe on my website. Also, you could win a free session with me if you write a positive review of this podcast on iTunes. After you post a glowing positive review on iTunes, just email me with your name, contact info, and review, and you'll be entered into a monthly drawing to win a free session. For details on all of this, visit my website, www.jancis.com. That's spelled J-A-N-C-I-U-S.com. You're listening to Angels and Awakening, where we believe daily life can be lived from a constant state of love, joy, peace, bliss, ease, and grace. Why are people always searching for a better way to live? Because there is one. Life doesn't have to be stress-filled and anxiety-ridden. You can make lasting changes that lead to a life you love. My name's Julie Jancis. I have the gift of connecting with angels and bringing through their healing, positive messages to my clients every day. Join us on the Angels and Awakening podcast each week as we explore big spiritual questions, interview experts, and bring through angel messages. I am so excited you're here. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to Angels and Awakening. I am so, so excited for our podcast today. We have on author Kay Eck. She is uh, local right here in Wheaton, Illinois, and she is the author of Divorce, A Love Story, The Surprising Tale of Self-Love to Heal Every Last Thing. Um, Kay, thank you so much for being on the show and Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, good. You know what? Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, well,
1: um, I'm a mother of four children. I raised them in Wheaton uh, with my husband, Fred, and um, I have had careers in journalism and public relations and art and yoga, and I always knew that it was um, within me to write a book. I always felt like that would happen, but of course, this isn't quite the book that I had envisioned writing, but currently that's what I'm doing i'm I'm writing.
0: That's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about your first book, Divorce: a Love Story.
1: Well, I started writing um, in the process of Uncoupling from my husband because it was a way to help me process everything that I was going through. And that was a very therapeutic exercise for me. And I committed to it um, as a daily practice. And probably a couple of months into it, I realized that I was writing a book. And I allowed myself the out of never letting it see the light of day, but at a certain point, I became very aware that it was a very healing message. It was, it was healing to me, and uh, I knew that it could be a healing message for others as well.
0: So, you know, this is such a huge topic, right? And it's something that um, I think that anybody who is in a marriage or a long-term relationship is going to come to at some point because, you know, anything that is alive, um, it's growing towards its end from the beginning, right? We're always kind of... um, aging our relationships are aging our bodies everything and we have to work so hard to keep growing together and keep these relationships together but even still sometimes um I don't see divorce as being a bad thing on the other side. You know, I I talk a lot about the other side and angels and um, they show me that divorce is not a bad thing. You know, Um, it's just that sometimes it doesn't work. So can you kind of talk to us a little bit about, you know, you say that your, your spouse wasn't a bad guy, you know, there wasn't like major, major issues. It was just an uncoupling and how did you how did you come to realize that for yourself
1: well i i feel that there's a that we're conditioned to believe that the value of a relationship is strictly in its longevity and since i had this long relationship that we both felt had reached its fulfillment I couldn't reconcile that concept because everything that we had done together was incredibly beautiful. And it was crushing to come to a point where we knew it had reached its fulfillment and then to have all these messages that we had failed in some way. And I was determined and, of course, extremely hopeful that, our family, the family that we created, could continue to be about love and not loss. And But what I found is that I had to undo all of my social and religious and societal conditioning and get to the core of what my beliefs were and who I was in order to rebuild our family in in a new way and our relationship in a new way, because obviously we have a relationship and a connection that will last throughout this lifetime and probably the others as well.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. So, what did that like if you could kind of break down an example for some of our listeners, what what does that look like to people? So, we have these conditions from early childhood, from religious upbringing, from different points within our life where, you know, somebody might hear, well, you know, divorce is frowned upon on the other side, or you're bad if you get divorced. And how would you tell our listeners that you can recondition, repattern those structures within the mind, those thoughts that we have?
1: Right. Well, it, it kind of um, hails back to what you were saying earlier about the fluid nature of life, right? We were never the same in any single instant. And it's it's not as though I'm against marriage because I think it's a beautiful thing. But what we've come to understand on this path of consciousness is that everything is in a fluid state. And so we can if we can allow ourselves to be in this fluid state when it comes to relationships, will become better at judging when the relationship is serving its purpose and when it has reached its fulfillment. And we've learned how to get into relationships really well, but we haven't learned how to get out of them very well. Mm, That's so true. So getting out of a relationship or, or bringing a relationship to its conclusion requires as much love as getting into them recognizing that your partner is a divine being and is on his or her perfect path is critical to that process. It's not easy. Conscious uncoupling doesn't make anything easier. In fact, sometimes it's harder because you have to look at yourself. You have to look at what core wounds you're bringing into the relationship and what's best for you. Um, So it's, it's not a Necessarily a a smooth and uh, sparkly path, but it is it's worth it if your goal is to keep the love and and continue your family.
0: Yeah, um, one of the things that I've been working on with my clients over the last couple of years, and I've really gone kind of deeper into in some meditation and prayer, is how much we as women have kind of dimmed our voice. And we're so getting that back now. We're really learning how to use that more as a collective consciousness, again, and on an individual level. And you talk about the path to self-love is the most important job we'll ever have. You said it's one of the most important and hardest things we'll ever do. For somebody who's just coming back into their voice, and really learning how to feel their feelings again and speak their needs. Where do they begin?
1: I think for me, the beginning of that path was learning how to sit quietly and to become the observer of the thoughts and the feelings and to be patient and loving with that process. And to recognize how easy it is for us to distract ourselves from what's coming up from within. It's so easy. And it's not necessarily the big obvious things like the addictions and um, all of that, the distractions. But they're, they're so subtle as well. It's so easy just to turn your focus from the sadness that you feel to the thought that you should be happy. And so my recommendation for everybody is that they spend a little time with themselves, just getting to know themselves and and learning to be in that posture of accepting what comes up, no judgment.
0: Yeah, because that's what we do so often, right? We place, place judgment on ourselves, on others, on our stories. Um,
1: yeah, and I haven't met a single person for whom the path of self-love isn't the most difficult thing in the world. <laughs> I don't know why it should be, because we're, we're really actually really good at loving, yeah. especially as moms. We got that down. Um, but for some reason, when it comes to us, it's the hardest thing in the world. I've had the um, opportunity to speak with someone recently who um, is just coming off of a long prison sentence and had gone through and awakening through the process of being imprisoned and incarcerated at a young age. And it it occurred to me that the the process of self-love is no more difficult for him than it is for me. And so it's really a very powerful core thing that we're learning how to do in this lifetime.
0: Yeah. And I've heard you say before, too, that one of the ways that you show yourself love is when you need it, you mother yourself. Um, Mm. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a um, notion that self-love is somehow related to physical um, comfort. And the idea of mothering myself included that physical comfort. I would actually put my hands on my body in a comforting way. Um, But it also, you know, as a mother, you have the responsibility of helping your children develop discipline and guiding them when they're running off in an errant direction. And this is the same thing that you need to do with yourself. It's like you have to pull yourself back to those feelings that are coming up. You have to have a disciplined practice of putting yourself first on your list and that whatever that means to you. And it's different for everybody, whether it's finding quiet time to be by yourself or to allow yourself to spend money on yourself um, or pursue your passions um, or to speak your truth in your relationships, whether that be with your partner or your parents or your children. Um, the, The children aspect is could have possibly been a harder thing for me to do because I had been accustomed to serving them in every way and putting them first on my list for a long time, even when they're grown and they're not even in my household any longer. I was still making sure that their needs were met before I met my own. And I'm still in the process of untangling all that for sure.
0: Okay. thank you for reminding us of this because it is so important for our listeners to understand that the only way that I've found to really tap into your needs is to understand your feelings, is to say, okay, well, where am I at? What am I feeling? Um. I found that the process really starts with feeling our feelings because so often we just shove them under the rug. We're either too busy to look at them. It hurts too much to look at them. So we don't. And we learn to turn off our feelings. So step one is really feeling your feelings again, taking that quiet time to be able to go inside and understand what you're thinking or feeling And then from there, you can ask yourself, well, what do I need? And is that the process that you use to figure out what you need in your life? Um, Because I know as a mom, life does get so busy and so hectic sometimes, and we are putting everybody else first. Um, But for those who are so busy and aren't used to this work, maybe, what are some tools that they can use to, to really get to the root of what they need?
1: Oh this was such a big issue for me because one of the things that launched me on the writing of this book was the fact that even though Fred and I had been uh, in our relationship in a really good way we were there was no just no dysfunction there was no cheating there was no we treated each other kindly and well for many for all of the years that we were together and yet I felt so much shame at Uncoupling that I couldn't even utter the word divorce, and for a very long time I didn't tell any of my friends or family what I was going through and I really just couldn't understand that and so that caused me to start looking at why I felt so much shame around this issue and of course that led me to some really deep uh, feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy and uh, being unlovable, and I had to dredge up all that uncomfortable stuff in order to look at it and to understand the um, the untruth of it—that that I was all of those things. So, um, mm-hmm. this isn't an easy thing for us to do, um, and we don't necessarily have to take any action uh, with these feelings because oftentimes they just want to see the light of day. Let's say that we've been burying them for so long, they just want to come up and out of us. And many times we feel like they're going to kill us. We, we, it feels like annihilation. And I encourage people to summon the courage to sit with it so that they can find that the feelings that are coming up are not going to kill them. They're going to free them. They just want to be released from your the cells of your body. And once you discover how this process works, you can begin to recognize immediately when some feelings come up and your initial reaction is to distract yourself from them, you now have the knowledge and the the ability to sit with it so that it moves through your field so much more quickly. So you become a master at being human. You're, You're feeling the feelings, you're recognizing them, and then they're leaving your field. And it leaves so much more space for peace and contentment, which in my own life, if somebody had asked me, what did I want out of life? It was top of the list, peace of mind, peace of mind. I just want peace. Mm -hmm. And that was obviously something that I I never felt because I had all this stuff buried inside. And so that is what I learned about about this process is that that peace is achievable.
0: I love that. Thank you. That's so beautiful. At one point, I had chills. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You talk about bringing consciousness into our relationships. And I'm wondering, for those who are working on creating a better relationship, creating a stronger partnership, where can we bring more consciousness into it?
1: Well, I have to say that this is definitely something that I am still learning. And my first, and for some reason, it was very hard for me to be conscious in my relationship. And by conscious, I mean being able to speak my truth and not concern myself so much with the reaction, but to speak it because it needed to be spoken for me. And my, my fear was always how it was going to be received. And one, so my practice in that was to start speaking the truth to myself. Like, what is it that I'm really feeling here? And, and what, what is my truth? And as I became a little bit more comfortable with that, I could bring more of that into my relationships. And this is really for all relationships. It's not just um, you know, marriage partnerships, uh, marriage or partnerships. And so it's also being willing to be quiet and not to react to what someone else is saying until you can really let it sink in our, oftentimes our first reaction is, is to defend or to get triggered or to shut down. And, um, we have to recognize that that's that's us. It has nothing to do with what the partner, what your partner is saying. It's what it's creating in you that needs to be explored. And so being able to sit and listen and hear and not defend from the ego place is is critical to the process.
0: And I've heard you talk a little bit before about the shadow self. Um, Does that kind of tie in there? Absolutely, because um, we th-
1: this is a part of who we are, and I'm not going to pretend that I understand where it comes from. Because I lived a pretty good life, you know, I didn't really express my shadow side all that much. I mean, I'm, I'm just a normal human being. But we, the shadow aspect, we don't really understand where that's coming from. It could come, be coming from. Past lives that we're wanting to reconcile in in this lifetime, but it's it's there and it's for me the the shadow side represents or uh, becomes seen in terms of all that shame that I feel, and we have to get to the point where we recognize that we are lovable, we are perfect, we are divine, and that's like not an easy road, you know.
0: Yeah, um, and I love that part about it too because you know at the beginning of the spiritual journey for me, I was listening to all of these spiritual teachers, and I was, um, I get, I don't know if it was me or the way that I was hearing it, but. I would think to myself, well, it's all about living in this high vibration, living in this high vibration 24-7. I teach my listeners how to open up their crown chakra, get into more of a blissed out theta state. And that was the message that I was hearing from a lot of people, live in this state 24-7. But as a mom, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who loves to create in her life, you have to be human, you know, you have to kind of be able to shift, I think of it like shifting gears in a car between these different states of being. And I do see that as being our humanness of really loving all of these different aspects about ourselves, loving the creation process, loving the being process.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I had the same experience. Um, I think that we We need to recognize that for a very long time, we were living in such density that it was necessary for us to understand that there were higher vibrations because before we didn't even know that. So all of the spiritual books and the teachers and um, all of that I find was absolutely necessary on my path so that I could start poking up into those higher vibrations and feeling 100%.
0: 100%.
1: Right. And now I'm totally in agreement with you that where we are now as a collective is embodying the divinity here in the human experience. And that means accepting all of what it means to be human from the feelings and the, uh, the behaviors and the consequences of our actions and the polarity and the duality. And all of that is, is the beautiful human history that's brought us to this point of recognize of bringing the divinity down onto this plane and seeing where it takes us so yeah it's a process also it's never going to be stagnant it's never going to be one thing and and not the other
0: yeah yeah we're always going to have both parts to us Another thing that I wonder if we could talk about a little bit is when I work with Spirit and I've been praying and kind of meditating on this, I see marriage as changing over the next 10 to 20 years. And it's not about being anti-marriage because I'm not anti-marriage either in any way, shape or form. I see how much love and how much fulfillment I have gotten and how much support. how much being in a marriage for myself has reflected back to me and helped me open and grow as a human being. But, you know, marriage today and people going through an uncoupling process is very different than 20 years ago, where it had to be this nasty thing. It was always this nasty thing. And it's not that way anymore. There are so many people who are uncoupling and doing it with, um friendship and with kindness talk to me about that and talk to me about how you see maybe marriage as an institution changing over the next 20 years
1: yeah this is a big issue for me because i have um four children and they're approaching the age where they're they're choosing you know partnerships for themselves and one of the things that I realized after I wrote the book is that in a million years, I couldn't advise them to stand together in front of a group of people and proclaim that they were going to be together forever, no matter what. Because that's just um, a folly a little bit. And um, But what I, I have come to recognize and what my message to them would be is that marriage you come into a marriage every single moment of every day and you decide in every moment of every day whether you want to be present with somebody and whether you want to be in relationship and grow in that moment and so it's a it's a process of um, a da- it's a daily practice like like anything and um, they get to decide. How, what shape and form that takes. If they want to pledge their love to one another in front of their families and friends, I'm all for that. Um, but I do think that we need to talk about the fact that there there can be a natural arc to a relationship where it has served our growth um, and and to recognize when it no longer is serving our growth. And that doesn't mean that it's that it's going to be an easy process because you have a lot of shared history and love and friendship, and if you can allow it to become something new, then it will serve, it will continue to serve you and um, so I feel that that is where we're headed uh, with with marriage. and a lot of young people obviously aren't taking the traditional route of institutional marriage. One of the things that was really kind of jarring and shocking to me in the process of uncoupling was um, how much control the state had in our relationship. For instance, you know, we had to petition the court to dissolve our marriage. And when we, um, because we gave them the right to do that, when we, you know, signed off on their paperwork. And in the early stages of our uncoupling, our desire was to um, just d- try to dissolve our marriage without lawyers. And we were told that we couldn't do that. And then uh, we tried to hire the same lawyer to represent us both because we had already written our agreement. And we were told we couldn't do that. Then we tried to get lawyers in the same firm. We couldn't even do that. So the, the, the whole system is set up in an antagonistic way so that the lawyers were trying to draw, us, draw the case out, trying for each of us to get more leverage or property or whatever. And um, that's just such an, and that's not what we wanted, but it's very easy to be led um, down that path. Because you're feeling very vulnerable, and it is a very raw time, because it, it's challenging, and um, so it's very easy to be led in that direction. And you have to be very conscious to to always be making the choices that you feel are going to bring you to the outcome that you desire. And I would suggest that that desired outcome is love. That is what we want. And when we are feeling defensive and protective of ourselves, our hearts, our property, it's representative of the fear that we're not lovable or we're not that love is going to be lost. We're losing the great love of our lives and we may never be loved again. So recognizing that what's actually beneath some of those feelings, that fear of being alone, of being separate, are, are the things that we need to look at.
0: Because they can be the things that are driving us the most.
1: Oh, absolutely. Always.
0: Yeah. It's um, almost
1: never the surface, the the surface thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We have to go deeper. I'm wondering too, if you could see, you know, 20 years down the road, marriage changing in a way where the financial structure is different of maybe not us pooling all of our assets, not up, but kind of remaining financially individuals within a marriage relationship um, or a partnership so that if it does reach its arc, the uncoupling process is just a more peaceful, easier one for all?
1: The issue of money slash power is something that we really need to talk about. Um, because money is an energy, and um, we don't often talk about how that plays into our relationships. And it's typically never actually about the money. It's usually about the power, right? And this this is especially critical for stay-at-home moms like I was, because you can end up feeling powerless because you don't earn the money. And so I think this is something that that's an excellent point that we are really going to need to grapple with because uh, at at the outset, you know, this is a discussion that we need to have before we enter into uh, long-term relationships and have children together. Uh, How, what's the exit strategy, so to speak, you know, that, yeah, if that becomes necessary and how um, the financial aspect is going to be, how are, how are we going to equalize that if, if both partners aren't earning the same amount of money? And if we can figure out how to do that in our relationships, then we can take it out into the world and we can figure out how to do it there.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, though. You hit the nail on the head because as I've gone into this, um, talking with Spirit about this, one of the biggest things that they bring up is motherhood. And we need to have some concept of payment if we are going to have um, remain financially independent in our relationships, have some form of compensation while we're staying home? Because I know you know every mother out there who has stayed home with their children knows you're not sitting at home. Obviously, you are working more than you ever did in any job that you ever had.
1: Yeah, I think that it's really important to understand that that is something that women have to take for themselves because we can no longer wait until that's given to us. And so that is the, uh, the big change that's occurring is that we're starting to recognize our value, what, regardless of what choices we make about domesticity. So that is something that we are going to create. Nobody's going to create that for us. We're going to come into a relationship and we're going to say, these are my needs this is what I would like to do. I would like to stay home and raise my children And exchange for that. We're going to, you know, this is how it's going to work. Then however that's decided is, of course, such an individual thing, but it can't go to a default any longer. We're going to have to take responsibility for creating a new paradigm around that.
0: So you see this as starting with the individual, that us women as on an individual level, we need to have these conversations, take ownership of what we want and how we want to, the direction that we want to go in our lives. And if it's saying, you know what, I do, I want to be a mom. I want to stay home with our kids because there is so much incredible beauty and value in that. Then we're splitting the paycheck half and half. And that's how we're going to keep financially independent within our relationship.
1: Yeah, I think there's um, a lot of value to, I was just reading about this yesterday about the notion of every relationship having three separate, um, well, bank accounts, but approaches would be uh, just as appropriate a term because there's your goals, there's the woman's goals, there's the partners goals and then there's the goals that we have together and each of those needs to be funded in an appropriate manner. And so each of us will have different priorities coming into the relationship. So I don't see how it can be uh, anything but individual. And to allow it to be anything but individual is to place the power outside of your relationship and outside of yourself. So I think that yeah, we're in the process of taking that all back. And if you think about the progress that we've made, uh, you know, it's huge because back in whatever, 1910, you would never find the woman's name on the mortgage, you know, it just wouldn't happen. So
0: of in course, 19, in like, I think it was um, actually 1996, my parents got divorced and my mom had to have her dad sign for a credit card for her. because she couldn't get a credit card. Everything had been in my dad's name. That's 1996. That was, yeah,
1: that's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. 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 So you're totally right. We've, we've made huge headway. Um, but there is still more work to be done. Mm -hmm. And
1: of course this, the, the times, are such that we can have a rapid awakening here, and we are in the process of a rapid awakening. So it's imperative that each of us stand in our power and observe the balance in our relationships and to recraft our relationships if that's what's called for and to have the courage to understand that other people don't have to like that. They don't have to um, be on board with it, but it still has to be done.
0: Yeah. Kay, can you talk to us for a second about the kids and how, you know, for people who are going through this or thinking about uncoupling, I'm wondering the biggest question that they have um, is the kids. I mean, they almost sometimes base the decision on the children. And yet, energetically, the children are so much better off when they're in um, a loving environment when both mom and dad are happy and true to themselves. And so how do you explain this? What is the advice that you give the women that you work with?
1: Oh my gosh, this is such a power packed point. There's so much to unpack when we talk about this um, issue. For me, it was definitely... Oh, the most heart wrenching and heartbreaking and difficult part of the whole process is because in my mind I had promised a some kind of forever to my children. And it was very hard for me to break that promise. When in fact what I had promised them was an illusion and an untruth. And um I uh, The only thing that kept me going in a process that I felt was best for me was, and best for my partner as well, was the fact that questioning whether I would ever encourage them to stay in a relationship that wasn't serving them. And if I couldn't recommend that to them, how could I recommend that to myself? And so... For many years, it was a back and forth because I was committed to that illusion, and I, you know, in in some regards, it, it was an ego related issue because I had been conditioned to believe that a long marriage was a good marriage, and so th- I understand that this is probably the most difficult thing for women because, as moms, you don't want to break the hearts of your children. That is the uh, That's the worst case scenario. And, um, but I also felt that I owed it to them to provide the example of what it means to be in your truth and to put yourself first. And if I couldn't show them that, who was going to show them that? So, you know, the idea that this is better for kids, I I don't entertain that because I don't know. And what I do know is that as souls, they chose me and their father as parents and that their higher self knew exactly what they were getting into and knew that this was the best way for them to learn and grow and expand as souls on earth. And so I have to trust in the divine plan that everything that is presented to them in their lives is for their growth and their development and their highest good. So what else can you do? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because they don't like it. It's not easy for them. It it does break their hearts. Um, It shatters the illusion for them as well. But if we can get to a greater truth, then it's all going to serve. It's going to serve us all in the end.
0: Yeah. Is there a way for this generation to present it to children today? Uh, you know, because I I've seen this in my own life. You know, when somebody in the community or somebody at school is going through a divorce, you know, and and my daughter will come home and talk about it, and we'll say, "Well, it's never going to happen." But you are creating that illusion when you say that, because I see us together, you know, and I see us together the long term, but I think just in general in marriage, we don't know what's going to happen 30 years down the road.
1: And of course, and the message that you've just given your child is that staying together is more important than the individual truth. I mean, you know, that is what, what you've just said, but I think there is another way of saying it and that's what i wished i had been able to do when my children were young is to is when they come home with fears like that is to say in a relationship you get to choose every day whether you're going to be together or whether it's better for you to be apart and you always have to listen to what's best for you because that's that is your primary responsibility is to make sure that your needs are being met and your dreams are, are being fulfilled and um, you're being the most important person in your life. So I think there's a way for them, for you to model that this is how a relationship works. It's an, it's an everyday decision. It's an every moment decision.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: And of course, our first instinct is to protect them and, Make sure that they're not feeling anything that they don't want to
0: feel. And so we're just training them to, to avoid stuff it down feeling the feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're so right on. I love that. So we can actually come to our kids and say, this might be better for that person at this time in their life. And we always get to choose. I love that every day we get to choose if we're going to be together. And Yeah.
1: And to... Yeah. And to, I mean, it's a way of showing them that the power, that the power of their life resides within them. Ah, that's perfect. No one outside of them gets to say what happens and why. They're the ones that get to decide.
0: Yes. I want to talk about men for a second because there are so many men who are great guys that have huge hearts who really want to just do the best and be the best here. But I have actually had 80 year old, 70 year old, 60 year old women come to me and say, There's no passion left in my relationship. And I don't know if I want to spend my last years living with no passion. So I'm kind of breaking down two different things here. We have females who are feeling just the mundaneness and no passion there. And there are men who want to change. There are men who don't want to change. But I really feel into the male energy. They're so confused right now. About who they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be. How do we help men? That is in a way that we're not coming at them where they feel attacked. How do we help them to support us more?
1: Oh, this is a big question too, of course, because I have three sons and I, whom I love and um, want to see succeed in every way. However. I don't think it is the responsibility of women to help men become men, become human to become themselves. That is something that we've been doing for a long time. And we have to step back from that role. Now, we have to allow men to be to come into their full humanity. And I recognize that this is actually quite frightening for all of us. The hardest thing for us to do is to be ourselves. And why that should be, I have no idea. But we have so much fear of being seen for who we are that it's crippling us. So that is something that I feel men are going to have to deal with. And it's not going to be an easy road for them, just as it hasn't been an easy road for us. The passion of a relationship, in my opinion, uh, or at least for me, would be to come together in a new moment in every moment, because the truth of it is that we are different in every moment. And if we're being honest and true to who we are, we are coming to the relationship in a new way in every moment. And so we're not riding on the past. We're not projecting into the future. We are in the present moment. And passion lies in being new to each other in that moment. And so each of the partners is responsible for coming to that union for themselves. So we can't really do the work for the men. They're going to have to make their way that they on their own. And women are awakening at such a rate that they're not willing to spend another moment in a life that isn't rich with with newness and presence. So when I first started on this path, I started looking at the divorce statistics and the highest rate of divorce is still amongst the quite young, from 23 to 26 or something like that. But the fastest growing rate of divorce is in the older age groups and this is because we're starting to allow that a relationship that isn't serving us has come to completion and we are allowing ourselves to feel that there's there's it, it's harder and it serves us less to be in a relationship that isn't present where there isn't presence than it is to just continue on um, the path that they had going because, we none of us knows how long we're going to live. Every moment becomes precious.
0: So well said, Kay. Thank you so much. So, are you working on another book? Uh, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't talk about it, it's okay. I just, uh...
1: yeah i I have been. Um, this is my heart's desire is definitely to to write and express and teach through through that process, and I. Uh, I almost I think it's true of most writers that you prefer that to the the stuff that comes after, which is promoting and marketing um, the book. So I've been kind of waiting and waiting and wondering what was going to be next. And um, I have a project that has come into my life that I'm really excited about. It's just in the very early stages, but It's got me feeling really excited about the incredible power of this particular story to um, set people free.
0: Mm.
1: It's really exciting to me and I'm looking forward to kind of diving in in deep.
0: That is so exciting because that's where we're all at right now is this awakening and setting ourselves free. So what a gift.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: You know, Kay, I always ask everybody on the show, who do you think that I should interview next? Who do you know that I should interview?
1: That is such a hard question because I know so many incredible souls who are doing such incredible work. I mean, my my network of teachers. You can give
0: is, me a couple. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. So um, one of I, I have a friend. Um, her name is Alexa Schill. She's a children's book author and she teaches uh, yoga to children. And, um, she is deeply passionate about helping younger people who are challenged by the heaviness of the times. And Mm -hmm. she is honestly, she's like an angel on earth. She just has the most loving presence. And, um, she's written a couple of children's books And I think that in terms of conscious parenting, she is um, really somebody.
0: Oh, I have to have her on. I've had Mm -hmm. um, at least four parents in over the last month who their children are so empathic that they are picking up the blockages of their parents and they're carrying them. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something that we're seeing a lot. Of right now because these young children who um, have come in over the last 15 years are so much more high vibrational than the rest of us. And they're just so empathic.
1: Mm-hmm. It would be it, it, wonderful. Yes. And part of that, um, that understanding is that as the children it, contain more light in their, in their DNA, in their genome, and they come down into the three the 3D experience, the the challenge of that is overwhelming. And so that's right at the point where Alexa is in helping the children develop the techniques and practices that can help them through that, because it's it's critically important that we teach them how to inner resource because we can't necessarily give them everything that they're going to need. They have to develop the skills themselves. And also she's able to help parents understand how to guide with love and compassion and understanding. And in this process, we're going to change everything about how we raise our children. We're going to be changing the educational system. We're going to be changing the, we're going to be changing the religious structures in society and all of the stuff that's around the the concept of family. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're on the precipice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're on the
0: precipice of all of it. Um, I know. I love it. Every time I see uh, teachers bringing yoga into the classroom, I'm like, it's starting Yeah, yeah. Um, yoga and meditation. And yes. Well, one more question, Uh, actually two more questions for you. Where can people find you if they want to find you online?
1: Okay, so, um, of course, I'm on Facebook. I have both a personal page, Kayak, and um, I have a page for the book, Divorce, a Love Story, which lists all my events, which I have an event coming up in Wheaton on um, April 4th at 7 p.m. at Prairie Path Books in their new location in Town Square. Very excited about that. And, uh, so, and then on Instagram, I'm at awake and, um, yeah, right now that's, those are the best ways.
0: Beautiful. Final question. This is a biggie, but if you had, um, long time in the future when you, um, have done everything that you want to do here, and if you had to leave your children with one final message, one piece of advice, what would you tell them?
1: I, I think for moms, it's almost impossible to live your life without that thought. <laughs> what would I be teaching my children if I did this, if I did that? And I think this is why we have children, um, because it, it drives us into a higher version of ourselves. And it's like a constant echo of our actions and behaviors. How is this going to be perceived by my children? It's such a gift, it's a gift beyond words to have those little mirrors um, in your life. And I want my children to see that throughout my life, I have been working to become a truer version of myself. And that that took a huge amount of courage and that my love for them was the the driving force behind behind that. That and my love for myself. Um, Yeah, I think I would love to have them Recognize that, but I also recognize that because they're individuals, that may not be their experience of my life. They're going to have their own experience of my life, and I have to be okay with that.
0: Well, you've given us so much to think about today. So many yummy nuggets of just great information. And I thank you so, so much for being on the show today and just for your time and for you bringing your energy.
1: Can I just also add that my book is available on both Barnes and Noble and Amazon.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm so sorry. I had that in my notes and then I just shut it out. Yes, thank you so much. Um, And you should really purchase the book because it is an amazing read. And um, I love Amazon. You buy it on there and then it's at your house the next day, which is fabulous. And um, I've even seen too, you can read it. Once you buy it on Amazon, you can start reading it right away, I believe, on the Kindle, which is fantastic too.
1: Yeah, I it's not a very long book, but it's packed. And I, I'm not saying this only for my own benefit, but I really encourage people to get the hardcover because there is a trans, a healing transmission in the book. And um, as you read it, I think you're going to find that you can come back to it again and again for that healing, no matter what you're going through. And I, I, Just want to add that the book is really not just for people who are going through a divorce because it also talks a lot about how to be in a conscious relationship and how to allow your greatest challenges to serve your greatest growth and how the process of self-love really looks and how it heals and one of the um, surprises for me has been how younger people have told me that it, it has helped them uh, heal from their parents' divorce. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we've been affected by divorce in, on many different levels as friends, relatives, children, and partners. So um, it, has a, it has a healing for, for all of us around the whole issue of relationships.
0: Yeah, so a perfect read for everybody in the family. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you caught that. Thank you, Kay.
1: Thank you, Julie. It's oh, been a course. pleasure to be here with you.
0: Oh, good, good. Well, I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you everybody for listening. My dear friends, you don't know what an incredible, huge, huge, huge blessing it is to this podcast when you write a glowing, positive review for us. It truly helps us get the best experts on the show. I know this might sound a little complex, but if you send me an email after you post a glowing, positive review here, I will put your name into a monthly drawing to win a free 30-minute angel message session with me, and it may just be broadcast on this show at a later date. Your name will be kept in the drawing every month until you win. When you email me, don't forget to include your name, contact information, and positive review. I hope you win! Tune in for a new episode next week, where I'll share tools and guidance that can help you fall in love with your life and start living it from a place of peace, bliss, and ease. Thank you so much for listening to the Angels and Awakening podcast. Until next time, know in your heart just how deeply you're loved on the other side and open up your heart to all of the random, unexpected blessings that your angels and your spirit team are trying to bring into your life right now. Disclaimer, this podcast provides general information and discussion about energy healing, spiritual topics, and related subjects. The conversations and other content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical, psychological, and or professional advice. If the listener or any other person has a medical concern, he or she should consult with an appropriately licensed physician or other healthcare professional. Never make any medical or health-related decision based in whole or even in part on anything contained in the Angels and Awakening podcast or in any of our linked materials. You should not rely on any information contained in this podcast and related materials in making medical, health-related, or other decisions you should consult a licensed physician or appropriately credentialed healthcare worker in your community in all matters relating to your health. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Again, angel messages, energy healing, and the information you receive here does not constitute legal, psychological, medical, business, relationship, or financial advice. Do not take any of the advice given in any Angels in Awakening podcasts or sessions in lieu of medical, psychological, legal, financial, or general professional advice. Please note, Angels in Awakening is a podcast produced by Chicago Energy Healing, a company with locations in Wheaton and Naperville, Illinois.